Big Fluff. I'm suspending you two from the force effective immediately. But, Captain, we got a suspect in a motive in the Nick Crawford murder case. We think there might be oil in the hood, Captain. Oil? That's why Demetrius is buying up all the property. You see, Nick Crawford was sitting on the last piece of property on the block. And that's why Demetrius had him killed. So wait a minute. What you're telling me is that one of the most successful real estate developers in this city is digging for oil in Harlem. Yeah. Listen to me. There is oil in Saudi Arabia, not Harlem. There is oil in Venezuela. There is no oil on 125th Street. Am I clear? But, Captain, if you're... You're lucky that Mr. Demetrius is not pressing charges. Now clean out your lockers and get out of here. Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Dr. Dre. <laughs> and this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. But and not I, that Dr. Dre. <laughs> or that Dr. Dre. Uh, as has become the tradition in the month of May, uh, we call it Revenge of the Guests in celebration of our third anniversary doing this podcast. And... Uh, You've already heard from him, our guest this week to help us talk about the Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. Not that Dr. Dre. Classic? I don't know. Uh, who's the man? Uh, here we have head coach of the Fisher Falcons, Anthony Leonelli. What's up, Anthony? Thank you so much for having me back, fellas. Um, got a lot of good feedback in the small college basketball community about my blue chips appearance. <laughs> and uh, excited to to really unpack one of the true lost classics of the 1990s. Uh, who's the man? I will say <laughs> kind of the idea behind uh, Revenge of the Guest Month is normally it's someone that we had on and we made them watch a terrible movie. And it's like, you know what? Now you get to pick the movie. I feel like in your case, though, you have nothing to be upset about from your last <laughs> appearance. No, not with yeah. I've, I've had to watch two movies for this podcast that I've probably seen 50 times. Yeah, so, so I think you won twice, I think. The rare double winner. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Blue Chips episode, I have a huge soft spot of Blue Chips. I saw it first, for the first time with Jim Beheim in attendance uh, at a screening in, in Syracuse, New York. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, and so... That was a lot of fun. A nice trip down memory lane. And now, man, for someone who loves 90s hip hop as much as I do, this is also an excellent trip down memory lane. Although I well, saw weirdly, the- you also saw this movie for the first time with Jerobi from a time called Quest, if I remember correctly. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's it was me and Ali Shaheed Muhammad. I was also going to say, I saw this movie for the first time this afternoon on Tubi. So. <laughs> Well, let me quickly, before we get to tell you my my personal uh, journey with this movie. So in elementary school, my best buddy, Seth Fox, shout out Seth Fox. Um, I would go to his house almost every day and it would usually be like a wiffle ball in the morning, you know, grab some lunch, swim in the afternoon situation. And this movie was on TBS or TNT or USA most days in that lunch window, I feel like. Like, it was just one of those movies that was on in the middle of the day in the in the mid to late 90s on some channel at 11 in the morning. So I've seen Who's the Man 
many, 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 many times. <laughs> And I think that it's you know I think it lose something in the in the TV edit I'm sure because uh, there's there's a fair amount of language in this that I would love to be I'd be curious to see what they dubbed it over with in the uh, in the original TV. I'm sure edit. it was that normal, yeah, that normal '90s level of dubbing that's just outstanding. This um, is what happens when you yeah, find a stranger thing. in the Alps type of editing. Exactly, <laughs> Mr. Falcon. Yeah. Um, no, there were, I mean, there were entire scenes that, that didn't make it onto television. It was a nice, it was all chopped up. So I also watched it on Tubi over the weekend uh, and was thrilled to see it, you know, as as Jonathan Demi's nephew intended. Yes. <laughs> with as, with as, commercial breaks intended. every 30 minutes for the same two products. That was the original yes. intended way. Yeah, with, with ads for ClickUp, the new uh, task management app from for google <laughs> but yeah that i mean i think that's the best way to view this movie uh if you can't see it with uh del the funky homo sapien then it's probably best viewed uh on tubi i think it is the only way to view it as well like because i i was looking just to say i was having trouble getting tubi to load and i was like well if sure. i have to rent if i have to rent this can i rent it and you can't so it you was not no exactly <laughs> <laughs> the same exact problem yep. it would not load it was just giving me that spinning wheel of death yep and i was like all right i don't know it's probably been 15 years since i've seen this movie at, at, at minimum so i better find a way to watch and then i did find some like shady like dark europe torrent but <laughs> thankfully then tubi started working so i th i think that would be the advice i don't know why we're doing tech support for tubi but i would also say just hang in there just wait <laughs> <laughs> well and then i was concerned that it was a tubi problem and not a who's the man problem so i clicked on an episode of degrassi and then i watched like 15 minutes of that <laughs> so it really just kind of it really kind of snowballed on me it's maybe it's a, the equivalent of the digital like version of the Indiana Jones, uh, like uh, the warehouse that somehow who's the man is all the way in the back like, on a shelf. It's very hard Top. to get to. See, I think, Top man. yeah, I think that this is my fault because I watched it yesterday and then they got it all the way out and they're like, well, no one's going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> That's probably so what it is. All the way back into the back of the warehouse. There's, and... there's one copy of Who's the Man at 2B, and we all were trying to watch it at the same time. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, when, when your episode drops and the Who's the Man numbers spike like crazy when they get that silver lining bump, um, <laughs> it's going to be like Dr. Dre, I'm sure, has like a Google alert on his name, and it frustrates him because it's always the other one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> He's going to be like, damn, 11 people watched Who's the Man last week. <laughs> if you're him, you can't wear the headphones, right? He can't wear Beats, right? <laughs> I would love it if he had his own line of headphones that were like Beats with a Z. No, it's B-E-E-T-S. He's actually a uh, turnip farmer, Beats by Dre. <laughs> <laughs> he has a goulash restaurant on 134th. <laughs> and it's Beats by Dre. That yeah. would be excellent. It's the best borscht in Brooklyn. <laughs> what I will say was I felt in great hands when I saw the New Line Cinema logo come up. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That that hit me right in the 90s feel. That made me real happy. And yeah, nothing like a, a vehicle for middling TV celebrities other than New okay. Line Cinema. <laughs> Again, don't want to jump on ahead here, but uh, 
Can we talk about that in 1993, it was seen as perfectly acceptable that you could open a movie starring Ed Lover and the other Dr. Dre, and it got a theatrical release. Yeah. Yes, it did. That's, I mean, you want to talk about a cultural zeitgeist show, Yo! MTV Raps was it. So I hit up my guy, Dart Adams, who's this incredible writer and hip-hop historian from Boston. He's like one of the best followers on Twitter. And super busy dude, so I was happy he took the time to answer because I was like, look, I was a dopey white kid from the suburbs. Like, did who's the man have any kind of, like, footprint in the actual city? And he was like, not really. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he said, you know, he cited a few highlights, but he said that, I mean, you know, MTV Raps, like, early, you know, early 90s, late 80s was on, like, six days a week. Like, it was crazy. It was the highest rated show on MTV. And MTV was kind of the center of pop culture at that point. So I guess it's not as crazy as it seems now that this movie sucks Dead Lover and Dr. Dre. <laughs> I, I think the craziest thing, and, and it's funny to think about now because now it would be very different the way that it would be done, is this is a time capsule for just hip hop artists of the time, but yet you have to know who they are, that they just show up and there's no... The only time they are called out by name is the most famous group in this movie when he says, those guys look like Run DMC. <laughs> also, I believe when Flava Flav is being wrestled across the squad room, yes. he, call, he calls him Flav on the yeah. way by. But... Again, one of the most famous people in the movie. But you, if you don't know who Criss Cross is, you're like, why are they making fun of the way these two children are dressed in this right. movie? You know, and I tried to do a cameo counter, like I was doing tick marks, and I, I immediately lost track. Oh, yeah. It's every well, scene. Every scene just doesn't go that high. Yeah. Well, no, like, if, if you don't know, like, I've already name-checked Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Right. If you don't know who Bushwick Bill is, if you don't recognize that the guys playing cards with Colin Quinn in that scene are uh, House of Pain. House of Pain, which right. you know I recognize as <laughs> oh. a white suburban kid from outside of Boston. Um, For sure. But yeah, it's like Heavy D is just in the crowd at the fashion show. Just being inappropriate, yeah. But that is what I mean is like, you, I, it's hard to fathom now because a 2023 version of this movie would absolutely call attention to every single cameo in a winking exactly. way. Yeah. Be Real from Cypress Hill would not be just a dude taking the cop exam. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that, first of all, virtually no one in this movie can act. No, <laughs> no. When Dennis Leary is the seasoned thespian in the like in the right, movie, like, this movie makes Bill Bellamy look like John Gielgud. Like, <laughs> and that's only the third time that Bill Bellamy and John Gielgud have been compared to one another, right? Because we all know that uh, uh, Booty Call is a remake of John Gielgud's original version. Well, I think they were up for the same part in any given Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i mean and then when you do get you get like somebody with comic timing like a bernie mac scene and you're like oh okay there we go there's someone that's acted before yeah it's <laughs> it's incredible it's wild um man it, it i let's get into the reasons this movie's maligned 
the utter lack of acting chops from 90% of the cast. It's is definitely a reason. Yes. Yeah. The, yes. That's, they'll start there. And that's, that's, we can probably start and finish there, but also add in just the, the complete absurdity of the plot. And well, well the I, gentrification thing makes sense. The oil thing is completely unnecessary. Well, the oil thing is strange. And then it almost, I had a moment when at the end, when, when Dr. Dre, shoots the ground and the oil comes up of like okay this is why we did the oil thing but then it immediately undercuts the possibility of doing the beverly hillbillies ending to then have them just working in the shop and lamenting the fact that they're not rich after getting oil which means right. that we didn't need to do the oil thing and the, the there is the funny sight gag of the barbershop operating with the oil derrick going behind it yes um, yeah. <laughs> which i enjoyed a great deal but yeah the oil like he could just be an evil gentrification guy. Yeah. Like, well, there's no need which, for him to also be looking for oil. Which also just can – can I say that of all the bad acting in this movie, it is inexplicable that that guy isn't better at his part. The, the <laughs> evil right. – Yeah. Like, I don't understand why they couldn't get some – I mean, you have Vincent Pastore in this movie. I would have rather seen him – play that part. Yeah. Right? Like, play that heavy. Yeah. What was Judd Nelson doing in 1993 that he couldn't have played that guy? Right. Yeah. He might have been running into his airheads uh, bid there. But – um, but yeah, no, you're right. That guy might be the worst actor in the whole movie, either that yeah. or the Jamaican guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. who's also horrific. But yeah, Dr. Dre. But it is in a, well, yeah. but, but you understand, well, this is a cameo from someone from MTV. I get that. But yeah, that guy's just an actor. Like, presumably they auditioned people for the part. So I don't understand. He was the best guy in New York. You couldn't got a law and order guy on there. Exactly. You could, or Jim Carlo Esposito wasn't available. <laughs> <laughs> Someone um, was of someone was available. Michael Rappaport would have done it. I'm just putting I, that how out is there. Michael Rappaport not in this movie. <laughs> That's a great question. He, the fact that Michael Rappaport is not in this movie is astounding. Yeah. Um, another insane thing. Uh, you want to you want a really insane cameo? Probably not a cameo at the time. Probably just a bit part. But when they go to the police academy, the like smarmy looking white guy is uh, Gavin O'Connor, who directed, like, Miracle. <laughs> awesome. Incredibly strange. Probably just a buddy of Ted Demi. 100%. <laughs> and, yeah, insane. And I really wanted the bald guy at the police academy to be Terry Crews, but I don't think Terry Crews existed yet. Now, Terry <laughs> Crews, I think, was still playing football at this point. Right. Right. But, he was, oh, he, was on the, he was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers practice squad, I believe, at this point. So he wasn't ready. To he had to go there. check out a deal with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that dude was kind of proto Terry Crews. I like them. I like the angry ball guy. Yeah, yeah. Griles. Griles. Yeah. I I will say just with the while we're maligning the other thing is. I think the plot is simultaneously absurd because there's oil, but also not. I wanted it sillier. Like, I think they could have gone bigger right. and more ridiculous. No, it's not a comedy. No, that's the insane thing. It's like a weird thriller with like a couple of hip hop jokes and then like three Dennis Leary routines. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's, it's in no way a comedy, though. Like, nothing funny happens for like 
20 minutes on end. Right. Yeah, it's it's insane that, like, you have Bernie Mac absolutely crushing it every line he delivers. You have Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary. You have Colin Quinn, Colin Quinning. You have Ed and Dre, who are undeniably charismatic individuals with no charisma whatsoever in this movie. No. Right, right. Ed and Dre uh. were just iconic on Yo! MTV Raps. Like, I don't know how you made Dr. Dre, not that one, completely uninteresting. Right. Well, the scene, where they stop, the scene where they pull over Busta Rhymes and nothing funny happens. The yeah. joke is that they are now cops. Right. That yeah. is the joke. It's, and there is no further joke. It's yeah, the entire I think, leaders of the new school. Hiding right. guns and weed. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing happens. Yeah, I think they literally just, just go like, like oh, hey. Ed the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, the only like jokes, the running jokes that we get are Dennis Leary uh, not letting Dre eat donuts and Ed Lover getting slapped by various women throughout the city who he's claimed to have slept with. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a side note, what was the weed budget for this movie? Oh, my God. Right. That was the budget for this movie. <laughs> That's why I'm there's some... argue this is one of the first small steps towards legalization. <laughs> it's, it's probably it's it's on the road after reefer madness. Then we get to who's the man. But I will tell you, as a as a uh, eleven year old in central Massachusetts, watching this on USA at ten thirty in the morning. As far as I was concerned, this was incredibly accurate to what city life was. Oh yeah, probably all about. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it didn't. I looked at the reviews. I couldn't find much. Um, I tried to find like a Leonard Malton or a Roger Ebert or something, but I couldn't. I <laughs> um, the actual review, but uh, according to Wikipedia, Ebert liked it. He gave it three out of four stars. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh. I like that the tagline is the first hip hop who done it. <laughs> I guess that's correct. Does I, I guess I, I guess is it really a who done it? Like you no, kind of know, know where it's going the, whole the time. entire time, right? Yeah, the There's, it's it does Columbo. Like it shows us the villain in Act One. <laughs> like right. Oh, uh, hip hop Columbo would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. Who would be hip hop Columbo? Oh. <laughs> Uh, it would have to be someone that's like older. It might be Busta now. <laughs> it might be Busta now. It might be Ice T. Uh, uh, or, yeah. or Ice Cube now could. Right. Yeah. Ice Cube is hip hop Columbo is something I want to see. Him and doing it just to be called hip hop Columbo. Hip hop Columbo, one hundred percent. Yeah, we were pitching this, and it's yeah, it's Ice Cube, and he does the one more thing. You know, he like he right. like he's leaving. One more thing, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah. You beat me to it. God damn it! <laughs> I was loading it up. <laughs> had it in the, I had it in the barrel already. So I know. See, I slept on it. Uh, no, it's um, the other thing, and, and we'll get to the malign stuff. But I am always good on a um, dummies flying out uh, shooting range scene played for laughs. Oh yeah, because uh, I mean, one could argue this walked so Men in Black could run. Um, <laughs> Because it's almost the same scene. Well, um, 
Well, I do. Yeah. I I mean, this is I don't know what else we need to malign, but almost getting to the silver linings, I want in my head and for you, Anthony, I want to believe that this was influential in in like Men in Black in Barbershop that there there was some footprint <laughs> that this began. Well, right. I think that, they, I think that this set the I, I don't want to say it set the bar, but I think it set the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they're like, oh, we can top this. Yeah. Oh, well, they made yeah. they greenlit this. They'll greenlit my better idea. Right. <laughs> well, and just no. the fact that like this movie name checks much better films like Uptown Saturday Night. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, got a lot of people probably got a lot of rappers. Their uh, their SAG card. That's true. Yeah, probably did get a lot of insurance for people that I, I doubt Bushwick Bill had insurance. Right, right. <laughs> but for that one oh. year. <laughs> he was in it. Yeah. He's like, oh, man, I'm getting a physical this year. <laughs> hey, man, as a longtime small college basketball coach, I feel it. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, sure. Real quick before two other um, amazing cameos for no reason. Is you get Scotty Pippen and Penny Hardaway for no reason, but the good news is that's both times I've been on your show have been Penny Hardaway vehicle. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. Are there any others, man? I I need to know what we're missing now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I well, he's got that you know that really small bit part in traffic. No, he that's doesn't. Right. Um, <laughs> the well, English I, patient. Yeah, that's right. He. uh no, who can forget his scene in traffic when he's like, what's up with this traffic? Like that. <laughs> Man, I'm sick of all this traffic. Yeah, that's great. I'm heading to rehab my knee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Penny. But yeah, what a what a collection. I mean, what a real time capsule for. No, I and like what did what what did people that didn't know any like. You know, what did a random 45-year-old that turned on TNT make of them? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know who any of these channel people are. are. I right. do think this movie is begging for a... Well, it needs a DVD release, clearly, so that Tubi isn't the only option. But, man, if they could do, like, a pop-up video or some kind of just... Every oh, time someone appears, it gives a little factoid about the person. There needs to be, like, an enhanced video version. Where it's then a link to their catalog so you can learn what the guru was all about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it would be great. If, I mean, the whole movie, it would take four hours to watch it. But if it stopped every time a cameo happened to just... It would take a day and a half. <laughs> just to put the person's name up and to explain who they were. Oh, And the best would be that... Well, there's two for Nick, their, their mentor, who unfortunately, you know, gets murdered and is shot blown up. Yeah. But big Nick guy, because one, he plays the father in The Last Dragon, <laughs> which is another movie you guys could probably do. And It's amazing we haven't yet. Yeah, we should and definitely two, do The Last Dragon. <laughs> he plays like the mentor guy in Bad Boys, not the one you're thinking of, the Sean Penn S.A. Morales reform school movie, which also <laughs> used to be on USA all the time. Um, so... My man, my man, Jim Moody is his name. Uh, got a lot of work there for a while. <laughs> How many disappointed people have scrolled through the upcoming movies list, saw Bad Boys, 
It was like, oh, I'm in for a great time, and then got the Sean Penn one. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, and then Morales. Yeah, and and the guy that plays the evil guard in Shawshank is getting blown up by a radio bomb because that happens in that movie. Is that Clancy Brown? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He's got like a he's got like an eighties uh, like Jack Sigma like afro white afro, <laughs> and he gets blown up by a boombox bomb. Amazing. Uh, no notes. Yeah. Worth worth checking out, probably. Um, well, I mean, you, I had no interest in watching it until you told me Clancy Brown was in it. And right. now, yeah, man. <laughs> Young, young, angry Clancy Brown. You put the Kurgan in your movie. Yeah, man, you put the Kurgan in there. I, I got to check it out. Speaking of young and angry, let's talk about Dennis Leary in this movie. Okay, I, I need to say this fact from IMDb. This was one of the six films to feature Dennis Leary in 1993. The full list is The Sandlot, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, Demolition Man, Judgment Night, no Cure for Cancer, his HBO special, and this. All in 93. Oh the ref didn't want any of that? No, the ref oh, yeah, was no. the next year. The, that was actually the follow-up to this. Yeah, because uh, literally Ted Demi and Dennis Leary went from wrapped on this and walked the next block over to film, or no, walked up to Westchester County to film the ref. <laughs> also, you could do almost all of those movies on your show. Yes, I would love to do Judgment Night, which is a movie that I watched often when it would I be will, on cable. <laughs> I will see you next May. Let's watch it now. <laughs> because I have thoughts on Jeremy Pivot in Judgment Night. Oh my God. And even more thoughts on the soundtrack. Oh, so, yeah. I could talk about the Judgment Night soundtrack. What are it these? Is so good, but uh, it is also why new metal exists. I hate <laughs> Pearl it. Jam featuring Cypress Hill. That's <laughs> the real thing that happened. Yep. Faith uh. No More featuring the Booyah Tribe. <laughs> uh, I'll have you know, my high school basketball team, very important to have a good out the door song on your warm up tape. Uh, a little Biohazard featuring Onyx Judgment Night title track. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so good. Kids how is, swinging from the rafters. How is Onyx not in this movie? Yeah, I know. That's, you wonder like how the certain guys are not in this movie. Well, and before we fully pivot to the silver linings of this, the All only of yeah, the only the only rap group that actually gets to perform was the biggest rap group in the world at the time, Naughty by Nature. Oh, did, yeah. Who did not need the rub from Ed and Dre. Yeah. Like, no, but I loved when that scene came on because I will listen to that song anytime. <laughs> oh, for sure. But yeah, it is wild that there wasn't any kind of thought put to... I mean, they set up in Act 1 their ability to put on a, a successful show, which is not explained, by the way, why these two terrible barbers yeah. with money problems <laughs> can book... This show can book the biggest by rap group in the world. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a missing scene or two there. Also, <laughs> we can't have like the policeman's ball at the end with but, Q-tip or something. But that's what like, I was saying is like you set that up in Act One. Act Three needs to have a concert with a bunch of you know like groups. Needs to have the Ghetto Boys putting on a show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or just all of Boogie Down Productions getting it in. Ugh. If only. Ah, uh, man. I was excited, though, as a child of that era to see the old uh, light blue New York City police cars. Oh, yeah. Yes. That made me excited. 
Which I, I don't know if we're ready to pivot, but I, I do think that was perhaps the easiest for sure, but maybe best gagged using the premise was the this police car is terrible. We need to trick it out. Like, <laughs> yeah, <bet. laughs> this is this is how Exhibit got his start. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, the they're like, hey, this thing doesn't work. And he's like, here's a slushy machine. And he's like, oh, OK, <laughs> car still doesn't run. But it can make slushy. <laughs> and it's the it's the easiest joke in the whole thing, like you said. But the the other cop driving the cruiser is the you know probably the best laugh in the movie. What's um, what is it? He's like talking about Michael Bolton being a great artist. <laughs> <laughs> I I miss my calling, man. I really wanted to play like super white guy in something. I always wanted that role. It does seem fun. Time. Yeah. I feel like we're also we're also now at the right age to be super old white guy. Oh yeah, right. Like some vehicle for young boy never broke again that we could all we could all get on. <laughs> I think we could just reboot. Who's the man? Great, let's do it. Because <laughs> you know what's funny right now is cops. Well, that's. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, like. It's I don't know if it's fair to malign the movie for it, but it definitely the premise has not aged well. <laughs> Let's just say no, it. Also, it shouldn't have been funny then as there is a Rodney King joke and it was like that year. Yeah, it was it was eight months before this movie came out. Right. Like this when pre-riot. Like assuming this movie had a script, which I'm not convinced about. Um, Like. They probably put that joke in while the riots were on television. <laughs> right. Well, and yeah, it is strange that there's like the bare minimum of acknowledging why it would be bad, like why they wouldn't want to be cops and why it's problematic. But then the movie is not interested in that idea. No, they they, they name check it a little bit, like when they're in uh, police academy and they say, what is the role of police? They're like, hassling black people. Right. And that's it's like, all right, we did our social justice check mark. Right. We don't want to be the man, but we passed the test and now we're the man. Like, yeah. Also, did steal that, wrote Abacadabra all the way down a couple of times in my life. That's good. Um, yeah. I always liked that one. That one stuck with me. I, but yeah. That one cracked me. Like, I really did think that, yeah, it was setting up the joke that that was somehow going to be like a perfect score. But no, it's like, no, you failed the test, but I'm friends with the guy who runs the barbershop. So I passed you right. anyway. <laughs> no, the joke should have been that Abacadabra was the actual answers to the test. Yeah. And then they're considered to be great recruits and then they're screw ups, you know, that right. like they they're com immediately disappointed by how little they know. <laughs> That this was a loose script about like an urban thriller that they just shoehorned Ed and Dre and every rapper from uh, the South Bronx into in the movie. Like it's right. This should have been an absolute screwball comedy. Right. Like you're wondering, you wonder, you're right. Like, did this exist previously? It was going to be like, you know, Ving Rhames and somebody else. And then they were like, oh, we could do this with Lover and Dre. Well, I, I, as you said that, I looked on IMDb because I was curious. So there's three credited screenwriters, someone named Seth Greenland, and then Ed Lover and Dr. Dre, which would imply to me that maybe no, Seth Greenland there, right. yeah, had a script. That... 
and it was going to be Delroy Lindo and somebody else. <laughs> I want to watch a remake of this today with Delroy Lindo and Bing Rames in the Ed and Dre roles. <laughs> they might be a little old to be struggling barbers, but maybe we could probably do and it. Don't care. Also, now, <laughs> Seth Greenland's biggest credits besides this are Arliss and Big Love. Oh, nice. Yeah. Arliss. So he worked with Robert Wool, who actually also could have been the evil developer in this movie. It would well, have been much better. They could have gotten Wool. I mean, this is yeah, post this is post Keaton Wool. Batman. He was available. Yeah, Wool was ready to do something. Yeah. Anybody except for Todd Bright, I think, or Richard Bright, I think his yeah. name is. They couldn't have gotten Joe Pantoliano. Like Oh man, Joey Pants. <laughs> they couldn't have gotten Roberto Davi, like any of the Petrelli brothers. <laughs> for sure. Oh, anybody, literally anyone. <laughs> like, honestly, it, it would be real weird. They could have gotten like Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> he would have done it. He might have. He might have done it. We don't know. Why not keep up the MTV synergy and get Kurt Loder to be? The... Nope. <laughs> Kurt Loder is one of the hitmen. Is he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I looked twice. I'm like, I think that's fucking Kurt Loader. And then I looked at the cast list, and it is. Man, I didn't even catch that. Move him over to Evil Developer, I think. Oh, that's the role that Kurt Loader was born to play. Uh, he'd be like, it's May 11th, and we are. We have made progress. Also, Billy Corgan is in the news again. Uh, no, yeah, they could have rolled the MTV train out. Give me a roll, you know. We got downtown Julie Brown in there. Something. Kennedy was probably available. I'm honestly shocked that MTV wasn't used as the news network, like breaking the story at the end. The fact that there is no in all the things that there's not a reference to the fact that MTV is never referenced. It's well, funny, too, because it's not like MTV films or like any of that. Like they had that umbrella later. So this is might have been Ed and Dre's like. Strike it out on their own routine. I don't know. Well, you know what I'm sure it was is that someone overthought it way too much, and they're like, "Well, if MTV was in the movie, and everyone knows Ed and Dre, who are listed in the cast as themselves." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's like, well, then people wouldn't be able to suspend their disbelief to wonder how Ed and Dre, who are known for being TV stars on MTV, are also these terrible barbers. Uh, come police right. officers. Would, would they exist in that universe also? Would there be a different Ed Lover and Dr. Dre? Well, that's where you get the Dr. Dre from NWA to play. Oh, like, that's you amazing. Put, you put him on your MTV raps. Like, I was going to say you get Delroy Lindo and Ving Ray. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh, by the way, can I have a second just to the most baffling credit in this movie is that Criss Cross seems to be credited as if they that's just collectively like because it says like whatever the one character name crisscross other character name crisscross so yeah, kareem and micah are both played by crisscross yeah and clearly they should be credited as mac daddy and daddy mac right, right. <laughs> i don't know why mac daddy chris smith and daddy mac chris williams are not credited individually yeah it's very strange that they're yeah it's just collectively these two parts were played by crisscross yeah. i'm gonna argue that it's not strange it's wiggita 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 whack <laughs> Thank I would you. like to get the union involved, honestly, because I think Criss Cross have not been fairly represented. Yeah. 
What a film. All right. What I mean, it, I think we're we're in the silver linings, I feel like. Oh, sure. yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this like this movie is such a time capsule for that era of of music, of hip hop, of all of it. It I, is such a strange configuration of things that don't go together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. At all. Like it's it's the weirdest taste movie I've ever seen. Yeah. Um it's not nearly as funny as it should be or it does nor does it really try to be. No. And and yet there are four or five scenes that, you know, again, if you were if you were squeezing this in between wiffle ball and swimming and basketball, <laughs> like you catch the first Des Leary scene, you catch the Bernie Mac stuff, like you catch the uh the guys taking money outside the Naughty by Nature show and marking it up five, ten, fifteen dollars. Yeah, that is a great scene when Shock G and Colin Quinn are just fleecing the rest of the guests. Yes, tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. It's really good, Colin Quinn. Actually, like Colin, the runner of Colin Quinn, not knowing where anyone's from and misrepresenting everything is great. Um, everybody playing the number. The whole movie is great. <laughs> When he gets called in to be to stand in as security guard for Vincent, Pesquare. yeah, yeah. <laughs> which also I think it's worth like noting too because of the time capsule feature that maybe people have forgotten this. This is Colin Quinn is in this movie because of remote control, like that's yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. This is pre SNL, yeah, yep. this is pre pre tough crowd, yeah. Uh, I will say. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say Dennis Leary is a silver lining in that like it does capture his especially because wasn't this when he was doing those I went Cindy talking Cindy walking Cindy on top of the Empire State Building eating a box of Eskimo pies like like those right. weird MTV vignettes that he would do yeah no, this is right when that happened yeah, yeah so it's that. like I think they capture Dennis Leary ranting about a random thing, which in this movie is donuts, but like it, it is vintage Dennis Leary. <laughs> oh, it is. It's, it's the prototype for all that will become Dennis Leary. And also all that, you know, he lifted from Bill Hicks, but um, <laughs> it's uh, the, the whole, I mean, I said referenced by buddy Seth Fox before. I mean, it was just in our vernacular, man. I'm, I'm, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to be president. And on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to be king in that whole bit. Because it was, you know, when you're 11, that's the funniest shit in the world. Like, there's nothing funnier than that. Also, no. the logic that he's upset with Dr. Dre because his brother is saddled with thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars of medical debt. Or like student <laughs> debt. Loan. Yeah, yeah, student loan debt to become a doctor. And the fact that he has just chosen to call himself a doctor. <laughs> Well, and just watching him like do the one man good cop bad cop with the donuts offering them to Ed versus not offering them to Dre is oh. hilarious. He can have a dozen donuts. He can have two dozen donuts. I do he think can put a giant donut on top of the squad car. <laughs> I think that needed a resolution, though. I think if I could at least pitch one more scene, it's that maybe when they solve the case, Dennis Leary finally lets him have donuts, or like they needed some sort of payoff, but only a plain one. Yeah. <laughs> Or you, can you can have a donut, bag. but no sprinkles. <laughs> He's never a bag of donuts in his hand when he walks in the barbershop at the end. Yes, and then he, <laughs> yeah, then like Dre thinks he's finally getting donuts, <laughs> but they're for everyone else in the barbershop. <laughs> no, they just do the the Milton 
from office space thing where everybody takes one donut and when it finally gets back to Dre, the bag's empty. Beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, so uh, Seth Greenland, if you need someone to punch up your 30-year-old script. Right. <laughs> also, if you, need, your boys. if you need some R-list spec scripts, we can send those your way, too. <laughs> we're, we're sitting on five or six. Uh, you know it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, who didn't write an Arliss script back in the day and, and wish it would possibly get picked up? It was the dream. I, that was. I have a I have a crossover episode, Smash script, Arliss and Coach with uh, Greg Dean Elfley. <laughs> he he signs with Arliss. <laughs> Hilarity ensues. Um, now, Leary is a definite silver lining. Um, the, the 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 time capsule nature of the whole thing. Um, Anything involving the House of Pain is yeah. a silver lining. Um, the soundtrack parts in this movie. Yes, yes. They're like uh, <laughs> Colin Quinn's like poker buddies, uh, and then they're also like cops in one point too. Yeah, well, they because Lord knows they had used every other rapper available, <laughs> so they're like. Yeah. No one will notice that Everlast is in this twice. He just didn't leave. They just didn't leave the set, and they were like, I don't know, we need some cops. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, again, your guy's program, you, you make the policy, but I'm going to propose that you officially name the portion of your show where you pivot to the Everlast Memorial Pivot, to be pivoted <laughs> so hard from rapping to acoustic chaos in the early 2000s. <laughs> oh. One of the harder pivots anyone's ever made. That's yeah. true. But he would still do jump around in the style of House of Pain when he performed live. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And there was like rap tracks on that album because, you know, I bought Whitey Ford Sings the Blues. Oh, I had Whitey uh, Ford Sings the Blues, of course. They, of course. They, they issued it if you were a white kid in, in high school in the <laughs> suburbs in any time in the late 90s or early aughts. Like, you just got it in the mail. And if you're no, wondering... <laughs> If you're wondering what that experience was like, if you're maybe younger than us, or you didn't grow up like that, get that album and then you'll really know what it's like. Exactly. You, you, then you really might know what it's like to sing the blues. You I, might couldn't know get what it's like. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> it, was, it was too good of a joke. Yeah, That's no, I cracked that. myself up and then stumbled over the uh, the punchline. <laughs> but I will tell you, now, now we're just going to turn this into an Everlast podcast for about 45 seconds. But... Uh, <laughs> Of which there should be many. When I was in early high school, uh, there was this all ages club question mark in Worcester, Massachusetts called the Espresso Bar. And it held like 70 people, <laughs> I will say. And Everlast was going to play there. And this was before Whitey Ford Sings the Blues came out. And we're like, the guy from House of Pain? And they're like, yep, he's doing a solo acoustic thing. And we're like, <laughs> hilarious we're in and we bought tickets and then like in the time between we we bought the tickets and the show happening what it's like broke on radio and mtv and the show was immediately canceled <laughs> <laughs> that that's amazing that's that's that is the best everlast story that there is tune into everlast talk with leo uh, <laughs> Comes out Wednesdays from the Spotify feed. <laughs> oh my goodness! You you um, send those in, I'll post those. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be um, the most. That'll be the most anyone's talked about ever. Last. It's a, it's a very niche podcast. <laughs> it, 
It's just his mom listening. And then we break down the truly horrific cover he did of Folsom Prison Blues, <laughs> which if you want to get actually like physically angry, watch, <laughs> watch the video for that sometime. It's it's something. I mean, I can't think of a single reason to get angry as a human being in 2023. So <laughs> well, I need this in my life. <laughs> Until you've seen Everlast, Forrest Gump style superimposed with Johnny Cash oh. in a video. Oh. And DJ Lethal, I believe, is playing an organ. Um, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Ugh. It's still not nearly as strong as he's the man. No. Way to bring it back around. Now, this. Uh, I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you appreciate the laser focus that we're known for here at Silver Linings Playback. Just try uh, to help the ball club win, man. Just try to contribute. <laughs> uh, no, this this movie is if you have like if you have any nostalgia for early '90s hip hop, like this is such a fun movie. Let me rephrase that: if you're a white person who has any nostalgia <laughs> for early '90s hip hop. <laughs> If this you want to see Ice-T called Chauncey, then... <laughs> and that is the only joke. Yes. <laughs> if you want to see Buster Rhymes try to hide weed for once. <laughs> Buster Rhymes is actually an okay actor, though, because I really enjoyed him in the, in the Shaft early 2000s iteration. Well, not a bad Shaft. And his small role in um, Finding Forrester, he was solid in that. He's oh, that's that right. I forgot all about that movie. Bus a bus has some acting chops. Who knew? I might, I might be back to do Finding Forrester with you guys, too. <laughs> After oh, Judgment Night, though. Judgment Night's yeah. at the top of the list. Yeah, that's, that's, that's next. I mean, I'll be furious if you do it with anyone else. <laughs> I love that you think there's some other list of people <laughs> clamoring. <laughs> Just knocking down the door to talk about Judgment Night. Hey, I, I I could go outside right now and find you four in my hometown, probably. Uh, I'm uh, sure that's true. That would be a good double feature, actually, for this movie. <laughs> Judgment uh, Night and Finding Forrester? No, no that would be very different. Oh, Judgment Night and Who's the Man? That would be, yeah. interesting, that would be an interesting microcosm of 90s. Early 90s, just nonsense, right? I would. I think I'd love to see a version of Judgment Night where the cops are Ed Lover and Dre, and that so they're like on the the edge of the story, like trying to catch keep, up. And they keep sneaking into Sean Connery's RV. <laughs> no, but they they are like the R two D two and C three PO of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also again apropos of nothing, but. It, it made me laugh that Ed Lover and Dr. Dre had matching pajamas. I thought that was a nice piece of production. Design. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, you think that's setting up like a ha ha comedy movie, and it is it not at all. No. No. This this movie it defies all logic. I will in say the word. I said this movie is begging for a making of documentary. I think if you oh, could yeah. somehow, <laughs> I feel like this or an oral history or something. Yeah, the story of making this has got to be yeah, in where the is fascinating. Vulture.com's oral history of who's the of who's the man is exactly. It, when did it was it ninety three? Is it thirty years? Like do, it is yep. thirty years. Oh man, we got to do the thirty year retrospective. Like. <laughs> All right. I I'm mean, a number of these people, I'm sure, are available. Yeah. Um, 
You know, you might not get Colin Quinn or Dennis Leary, but like, you know. But what's Kid Capri up to? <laughs> right. Like, Fab Five Freddy's down to talk about whatever. Yeah. Um, no, it's, again, it's, it's a, what I, what I respect about it, it doesn't work as a movie in any way. But anytime there was an easy choice to be made, they make the other choice. Yeah. yeah. No, Much that's to the detriment of the movie, but I give them credit. No, I, I think you are onto something there that, yeah, it's in a lot of ways, this movie could have been the easiest, like, layup for a ridiculous comedy. And their attempt to make it a actual cop drama is fascinating, if unsuccessful. Well, and the other thing is they don't go like the Beverly Hills cop route either, which, while very funny, is also crazy violent. Right. Um, which you don't really remember until you watch it again. And then it's just dudes getting machine gunned into fountains and stuff. <laughs> but like, that's not, it's not that either. It's, it's such a, it, every choice is strange. And Which, I love it. Now you're reminding me too, the closest that they get to Beverly Hills Cop is the scene where the other cop is also on the stakeout. And so their driver right. sends the sex worker over to distract the guy. But we don't see that. And instead, what we see is Ed Lover thrown through a plate glass window. See, right, I, which is also very Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> see, I thought the part there where they got closest to Beverly Hills Cop is where they watched Beverly Hill Billies. <laughs> which is also an eight minute scene in this movie. It is. They watch an entire episode of Beverly Hill Billies. In a movie with an 88 minute runtime, eight minutes is spent watching Beverly Hill Billies. And discussing it. I will say I was utterly baffled when that actually became relevant to the plot because I in no way assumed that it would be. You had no reason to say that. <laughs> no. Again, every choice that makes sense, they make the other one. Just when you think you have all the answers, they change the questions. Also, just, I mean, obviously, like, it's a 30-year-old movie and I'm not going to nitpick it for, like, you know, things that wouldn't fly now. Chief among them, the the, the barber. Uh, the, the clearly homosexual barber, but the, what is up with the Asian lab guy thing? Oh, like, that they is. Play that, they play that like it's the funniest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, and it's not. It's yeah, it's really bad. And it's they. I think they do like three beats of it. Like we yeah. go oh, back yeah. to that they guy. Hit the, they hit that joke three times. Yeah, um, yeah. And they keep coming back to it. Yeah. Um, which Some very I, odd choices. Which I will say is true to like if you've listened to the Fuji's the score, you're gonna get some some skits that are uh, essentially that as well. <laughs> like, yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, um, I, I I was explaining skits to uh, Brittany, my 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 partner. She is significantly younger than me, so like the most of her music listening has been in a digital form. So explaining skipping through the skits on, say, a DMX album, <laughs> if you didn't want to just hear random gunfire in your car, you would often need to advance the track. Well, also, I was trying to skip to the prayer, so I wanted to get to, <laughs> to yeah, let us pray. You want to get directly to the prayer, for yeah. sure. Well, that's such a wild thing when you read, like, contemporary, like, from the time period reviews of those classic hip-hop albums is like they rate the skits yeah 
But like the wildest ones were the ones where it would be part of a track so that if you were listening to a song, you were stuck, you know, like oh, with the yeah. skit at the end. And, and this isn't even the beginning of my I still want to know who's got my killer tape, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, what a what a time. What a time. Also, I guess this movie was just too early for Wu-Tang because there's no. Oh, yeah. There would be if this movie were a year later, there would be at least eight members of the Wu-Tang clan. In this movie. Well, and, God would have been in this movie. Well, and the acting would have been better if Wu-Tang was involved. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Um, they did. He just mentioned you, God. They did him so dirty in like the early 2000s. I forget what magazine it was, but it was like, where are they now for all of the Wu-Tang? It was when they weren't doing stuff together. And it was like, you know, Method Man's acting and doing this and Liquid Swords is coming out, this and that. It was like, you God is driving a cab in Queens. So it's like, that's <laughs> brutal. Like, <laughs> why you got to do you God like that? <sighs> Perpendicular to the square. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did it. I think yeah. we found all we, we nailed this movie. Um Anthony, it is always a pleasure to have you on this podcast. It is to wax intellectual about the esoterica of early nineties popular culture and sports. Well, I'm now now that I've been back, I've made a return, I'm gonna start considering myself like the Harry Anderson to your cheers at this point. Um <laughs> you come in and rob not, us? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite a regular, but I feel like people might be happy when I show up. Uh and then yes, also I run elaborate scam. <laughs> so if anyone wants to drop me my cash app it no. uh, <laughs> I'm actually gonna be taking the police exam. Um Do you know what to do? Yep. Ridiculous, ridiculous story. Side note: When I was attending the University of Akron, it was like an Ohio November where it was like freezing cold and miserable, and like a bunch of stuff was going on in my life that wasn't great. And they were giving the uh, L.A. Los Angeles uh, police exam in our student union, and I was having a bad enough day that I sat and took it, <laughs> and I crushed it like, <laughs> to the point where I got calls and like cards in the mail and stuff for a number of years after that for smacking the LA County civil service police exam. So well, I very, knew in my heart, I couldn't be the man. Yeah. But, we, this movie, that's the biggest silver lining. This movie saved you. You knew, right. you knew how it would turn out. Right. I knew I didn't want to be the man and I, being a barber wasn't really an option for me. I've kind of, Shaky motor skills. So, well, I don't think being a barber was an option for them, and it didn't hold them back. So, <laughs> that's true. I like that those were the two possible professions, and also a uh, nightclub promoter. So, which they're good at, and they don't do in the end. <laughs> right. I mean, other than getting robbed, they did nothing wrong there. That show looked great. Yeah, that show looks like an awesome time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They maybe should have done more of that. Yes. Uh, but anyway, funny, those characters, not the actual Andre, but those characters ended up being Dennis Leary's road manager <laughs> <laughs> on the No Cure for Cancer tour. Perfect. So. Uh, well, um, I think I don't know if you want to promote your uh, if we all want to cheer for your team, the Falcons, the Falcons. Hey, you also, yeah. hey we, we, we uh, seven win net improvement this season over last Uh Made the conference playoffs, got to go to Kansas. Um, we're expecting big things the following year. So, yeah, 
FisherFalcons.com if you're looking for a NAIA basketball team to root for, because who isn't, really? Uh, and I'll probably see Andy when we come play Washington Adventist or something. They are oh, the man. they're the official team that Silver Linings Playback cheers for, like for sure. Yes. Yeah, you have you have two of us as fans. Perfect. Hashtag bird gang. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're welcome in the bird gang. I'll make sure I get you guys some gear. Oh, please. Uh, I, I yeah, I would love the gear. I will totally rock the gear. That's, that's the thing. When you're a small college coach, you don't make a lot of money, but you got a lot of gear. <laughs> so that's, that's my gift to most people. But no, thank you guys so much for having me back. Uh, I'm a regular listener. I'm also a client. Uh, <laughs> and if there's a if there's a not great early '90s movie but it's not really terrible, but kind of a weird try, that's right in my wheelhouse. So I mean, I've I've said it. This is now the third time, but I'm I'm all in on Judgment Night. So yeah. whenever no, whenever we get to that, man, anytime, anytime you got a slow week, I'm, <laughs> I might be able to do Judgment Night for memory. We'll I probably could too. <laughs> I probably could three. <laughs> and also if we can get Dennis Leary on for that one, maybe I feel like he's gotta be like, he's gonna be a lot of movies. He's in there candidates for your, your deal. So, I mean, we said to it, we could also do demolition man, which I know very well as well. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I think it's crazy that Dennis Leary got so frustrated being a cop with, with Dr. Dre and Ed lover that he joined the fire department and had to deal with all the nine 11 stuff. Yeah, well, then he tried to be a cop again in Spider-Man, and he died. So, I mean, message received. He's also the coach of the Cleveland Browns in draft day, <laughs> which is just utter insanity. Another another that we could do draft day. Oh, keep, me on, keep me on speed dial for anything Costner also. <laughs> if we're doing the Guardian, I'm in. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is uh, I'm auditioning for a third mic on your podcast. And Love it. Come season eight, if you need like a little ratings influx, I might be able to. You'll get be the cousin Oliver to our <laughs> Brady Bunch. Exactly. I'll get you good and canceled and done with. Beautiful. So. Well, thank you again, fellas. I, I couldn't appreciate it more. No, thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go have a donut or two dozen donuts or. Strap a giant donut to the top of the squad car. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. This is Philip. And Katie. And Bridget. And we're three friends who like movies. Especially movies of yore when we were small and everything seemed awesome. Now we're revisiting these bright shining beacons of our youth and figuring out if they are for real. So sit back and relax and revisit the best. The worst. And everything in between from the 80s and 90s. And find out. Is is it for real? real?